Welcome back. This week, there's a little Netflix documentary we need to talk a bit about. Yeah, it's number one, like worldwide. You might have seen my face in it. And we're revisiting a little bit of Depth V Heard because it's the trial that apparently is never, ever going to end. And I have some thoughts that we're going to chat about. And because we are peeking back into the world of Depth V Heard. There is actually some information and a lot of movement in the Amber Heard insurance litigation, which I actually find quite interesting. In December, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard settled all of their outstanding appeals and negotiated a full settlement for the amount of the judgment where Amber Heard walked away taking no money. Johnny Depp walked away with a million dollars paid from Amber Heard instead of the over eight that he was awarded. And they were done. The insurance lawsuits are still going, but the trial has been done for a year. The appeals have been done for, you know, over eight months now. But then Netflix drops a new documentary and my face is in it. So we're going to chat. And then insurance. But first, kids are back in school. Dinner time can get a little rushed. I know it's been getting hectic at my house. And Green Chef has some new nutritionist approved meal options. It is the number one meal kit for eating clean, and you get 50% off plus free shipping with code EMILYBAKER50 at greenchef.com slash EMILYBAKER50. So go check out the nutritionist approved meals. And you know, if you're ready to kickstart a new healthy eating routine, this is a really good place to start. For me, it's just survival, truly. All right. With all of that, let's get in to today's episode. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. So some of you have mentioned to me by some, I mean a lot of you, have mentioned to me that you saw me in the Netflix Depp v. Heard documentary. This documentary was originally released in the UK uh, months and months and months ago, and then was released on Netflix as a three-part docu-series. If you haven't watched it, I'm not pressed about it. It clips down the trial and lays some of the testimony back to back. So instead of days in between Depp's take on a thing and Heard's take on the thing. They cut the testimony, um, clipped it substantially, and then cut it next to each other. So you kind of get some of Depp's side of a story and Heard's side of a story, but they didn't line them up in the way I would really have liked to have seen. And then they clipped a bunch of commentators who you probably are familiar with from the trial or before, commentators that are lawyers, commentators that are not lawyers, and really seem to judge the internet for judging the trial is my takeaway. And maybe that's just because I lived through this trial with all of y'all and was one of the largest channels streaming the trial. So I already knew how people felt about the trial because there were most days we were streaming to over 100,000 of you for the verdict. We were streaming to over 370,000 uh, law nerds talking about this case. So I really had a pretty good sense, I think, of how the internet felt about it because, well, we were all chatting about it with, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. So it was interesting seeing a documentary that didn't add any commentary 
didn't really add any narration, clipped what other commentators and myself said, and then just clipped it together and raised some questions, but provided no answers to things there's actually answers for. So it tried to call out content creators for making money off the trial. But then at least as far as I'm concerned and other content creators I know are concerned, they didn't give permission for their content to be used. They weren't involved in the documentary at all, and they weren't compensated for it. But this documentary was purchased probably for at least a few million dollars uh, to create and make. But they used a ton of content from TikTok creators, YouTube creators, kind of put in some judgment from other commentators about channels making money off this trial while then not paying the content creators whose content they used and not getting permission from a substantial number of the content creators whose content was used. So if you're pointing fingers at content creators saying they made money off of covering the trial, content creators make money by making content um, and then make money off of content creators without compensating those content creators. It really seems like, I don't know, is irony the right word? Maybe bullshit's the proper word. It's a very interesting circumstance to find oneself in. So I was not involved in the documentary. I did not get permission for my content to be used in the documentary. And I thought it was interesting the way it kind of judged the internet for judging the trial, but then didn't offer any retrospective look at it. It really just felt like a clipped down summary of what we all watched happen on the internet over a year ago. But there were questions raised, particularly in episode two, they talked a lot about the Stephen Deuters texts and whether or not those came in. But then they didn't ask why those things didn't come in. They didn't have any legal exploration of evidence that came in or didn't come in. And they made quite a lot of the unsealed documents. And there were a lot of unsealed documents in this case after the verdict was reached, showing more of the motions in limine, of the pretrial motions, and the things that were kept out, and tried to make it seem like that was somehow untoward, or at least that's how I read it. They didn't really navigate that this is a perfectly normal part of the U.S. legal system. Discovery is a massive and strategic part of civil litigation. There are discovery cutoffs in every civil litigation. You cannot have trial by surprise or trial by ambush. That's not what happens. And in, in civil litigation, particularly, if you miss those discovery cutoffs, it's not coming in. It's, not, it's just not coming in. Judges aren't going to allow evidence in. And evidence has to meet the rules of evidence to come in. It has to be reliable. It has to be relevant. And when it comes down to the Stephen Deuters text, what we've discovered together, reading through the sidebars, is that both lawyers deposed Stephen Deuters. And I keep shifting the pronunciation of Deuters, Deuters last name. I think it's Deuters. Apologies. But they had done a deposition for him and they used lots of depositions in the trial. They could have used his deposition. 
But Amber Heard's team chose not to use his deposition. So they tried to introduce text messages through other witnesses that were hearsay instead of just bringing in the witness. If they wanted to bring in that deposition, they could have, but Team Heard chose not to. And things like that aren't explored. So it doesn't really give a legal exploration. It raises questions without answers. And it did use quite a lot of content from content creators who didn't give permission for their content to be used. A ton of you were really just happy to see my face on your TV. And for that, I'm really glad. Fantastic. I watched the entire trial with you. So I didn't really need clips of the testimony. I'm I'm well and familiar with what the testimony is. And it would have been nice to have seen them looking at the sidebars and explaining why evidence kept in instead of making it seem, and maybe this is just my take on it. I would love to know if you um, perceived this differently, but making it seem that evidence was kept out improperly because I haven't seen any evidence of that in the case. And in fact, it wasn't even raised on appeal by Amber Heard. It was for the medical records, but not for like the Deuters texts or the Deuters texts. And so was the point of this documentary just that there's still money to be made off of this trial? And if the point of the documentary was just that there's still money to be made off of the trial, is it just nothing but audacity and hypocrisy for a production company to call out content creators for covering the trial and then do the exact same thing while using those content creators work without compensating most of those content creators. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? But there it is, number one on Netflix. One of the things that frustrated me is there is kind of a through line at the end where they use Elaine, Amber Heard's attorney, to say that Amber Heard's attorney and Amber Heard felt that the jury was unduly influenced by social media. And there's just no evidence of that. These jurors have not come forward and said anything about this case. One juror gave a written statement to one media outlet and said that they weren't influenced. And that was it. These jurors have not gone on TV. These jurors have not done interviews. The jurors have not talked about this case at all. It's my opinion, based on watching all of it, that the jurors went back to their lives after six weeks of a high-profile trial. And you know, you get Team Depp saying that they don't think that the jury was influenced by social media at all, and Team Heard saying they think, how could the jurors not be influenced by social media? But there's no evidence that the jurors had been influenced by social media. And the only evidence that we have is one juror's statement saying that they weren't, and they shouldn't have been. And I've talked about it a lot on this channel that there were those in my life, particularly Dr. B, who whose social media algorithm will feed him anything to do with punk music from the 80s and nothing to do with Depp v. Heard and really didn't see anything about the trial um, come through his social media feeds because pop culture is not something that is really his thing. And he did not care and he did not see anything about it except for what I talked to him about at the end of the trial. And most days he was like, how was streaming? I'm like, weird things happened. <laughs> There's this doctor named Smeagol. Today was strange. And that was about it. Um, so all in all, it's interesting that it's all coming up. It's interesting the way that it's framed that maybe social media was all too critical of a thing. But we're going to see this in trial after trial after trial. We are going to see social media talking about trials as they unfold. 
I have said in a lot of content and will always say, I think cameras in the courtroom are a good thing. I think opening up our court process to allow the public to see how our courtrooms run, what our judges are ruling on, um, how the attorneys are behaving, and how the laws play out in different jurisdictions across the U.S. is important. I wish there was at least audio in federal court so we could keep an eye on some of the larger proceedings. Large criminal proceedings like Sam Bankman-Fried are in federal court. We should know what is happening in those courts beyond the documents because it's tremendously helpful. And we know that eyewitness accounts are all based on someone's perception. They are, which is why I love having the ability for everyone who watches a case to see what they think for themselves. And then if you have questions about why evidence was kept in or out, hopefully I am one of the resources that you go to to answer those questions about what the rules of evidence mean and what hearsay is and what hearsay inside of hearsay inside of hearsay is. And we can talk about the rules of law so that if you feel that the way the rules are being carried out is unjust, you can look for ways to change that in your local jurisdictions. A lot of jurisdictions, judges go up for election. The rules that are written by judicial committees, you can persuade judicial committees. You can talk to local bar associations. You can lobby your legislators who write the laws. There are things you can do if you feel that the laws are being carried out unjustly. But understanding how the laws are playing out in court matters and seeing that matters. And I think having open courtrooms in 2023 goes beyond people being able to sleep on the pavement and fight for a spot inside the courtroom. I think having cameras makes it very open. One of the criticisms that I agree with from the court was that, well, they they framed it as that no uh, survivor of sexual abuse had ever had to testify on cameras like Amber Heard. These things go on in criminal court all the time. Is every criminal case televised? No. But I don't think Amber Heard is the only person who's come forward with allegations like that that have had to testify in a public way. Remember, court is open. So victims testify all the time in courts that anyone in the public can walk in on. But the thing that the documentary did not explore is the fact that Amber Heard's attorney violated the protective order in her opening statement that would have kept that part of the testimony off of television. And the documentary didn't address both sides of that. And I just worry that it will leave victims with the perception that the court system is going to allow, you know, everything to be open like that. Court can be closed in some ways, and that would not have been streamed, but for the protective order being violated. So there were protections and considerations uh, taken for that, but that was a choice and a strategic choice by Amber Heard's attorneys. and so it's interesting to me that they addressed that this was horrible testimony to have live streamed, but they didn't address why that testimony was live streamed. And in that one segment, I think there should have been a little bit more balance to give people the full perception of why such sensitive testimony was given on television cameras. And they didn't talk about that. So. Um, when we're looking at both sides, I wish both sides of that particularly had been explored because one thing that I know very well is there are far too many victims of sexual violence and domestic violence. And these are things that concern them. And I wish that 
that that had been explored a little bit more as to why that happened in that way in this case, which was a non-criminal case, but a defamation case. With all of that, I've been asked a lot of things. Was I involved in it? No. Was I asked to be involved in it? No. Did I give permission for my content to be used? No. One of our lovely members, JFC, asked, because you know I record these with a lot of our members, and if you want to join on the YouTube channel or on um, Patreon, you can always go to lawnerdsunite.com and join as a member. But our members have asked some questions about the Netflix documentary. My DMs have been very full, so I wanted to give the members a chance to ask to address it here on the podcast. One um, from JFC was, has Netflix claimed any of your videos? I have not done any content breaking down the Netflix documentary except for a members only where we looked at and reacted to the trailer for the documentary. And yes, they copyright claimed the trailer for the documentary to disallow that video to be monetized, but it's a member only and it's not monetized anyway. Um, Katie in the chat asked if they got permission to use my intro for the podcast. And it was my, my historic, my now retro intro to the podcast. No, they didn't, which is interesting because I do own a copyright in the music in my podcast. The music in my podcast was custom created for this podcast for me, and I own all the rights to that music. So no, they did not get permission to use that. Art by Julie E. asked if I can still monetize the videos with the clips from the documentary. I have not gone to look to see if Netflix has tried to claim my original content if that happens, that will be um, a problem that me and my lawyers will address. But a lot of my coverage from the trial is not monetized. So with YouTube, you can choose to turn on or turn off monetization. And on a lot of days of trial, because of the subject nature of the trial, because of the language uh, in text messages, and because of the things that we talk about, a lot of those streams, I did not turn on ad monetization. I have not looked to see if they've claimed my original content, but if that does happen, law nerds, don't worry. I will let you know and we will figure it out. J. Michael in the chat said, do you feel this widens the divide between more mainstream media forms and uh, new age content creation? It feels like this trial was kind of two trials, right? It was depth v. heard, but it also felt like it was legacy media versus content creators a lot of the time. And I don't think that helps anybody. There are times and there are legacy media outlets I really enjoy. I love going on uh, Court TV and having a chat with Vinnie Politan. I've always had a great working relationship with ABC and uh, ABC's Hulu Productions and others. And I think there's a lot of room for legacy media and content creators to work together. But then there are times when legacy media tries to just shit on content creators and be like, people are exploiting this trial for money. Were there people who exploited this trial for money that never would have covered this trial if it wasn't getting views? Probably. Um, can I point to any content creators and be like, this is exactly what they did? No, because I'm in my own lane and I cover pop culture legal cases. So this was in my lane. Um, but also for a lot of, especially commentary creators, they kind of talk about what everybody's talking about. So once the trial becomes what everybody's talking about, it's open, right? Everyone's talking about it. So people are going to have opinions about it and they're going to make content about it. So I, I don't think it helps, um, but it also solidified my opinion because when we saw reporting coming out about the trial from non-legal outlets, and I 
I do want to make there clear that for me, there's a distinction between legal outlets like law and crime and court TV that have predominantly legal commentators who have substantial amounts of experience versus some other legacy outlets that are using uh, journalists who aren't in the legal field, don't have a long history of using uh, or working legal beats and don't always understand the legal system. There was definitely a push-pull there for people who didn't clearly didn't understand the inner workings of legal and were covering this case by covering what was happening on social media. And I think that um, created a little bit of a rift or more of a rift or more of distrust between the perception on legacy media of the case and the perception that those watching the case were having. But whenever there's a massive case like this in the public, people are going to have different opinions. So that's not a problem for me that people have different opinions. It's when there is a um, tearing down of other opinions that starts to become a problem for me when it is a public trial. People will have different views of the evidence. That's what jurors do. When they go back to the jury room, they have a conversation about their different perceptions of the evidence, whether they thought a witness was telling the truth, whether they thought a witness was exaggerating, whether they thought a witness was helpful, whether they thought a witness was irrelevant and they didn't listen to anything they had to say. That's what 12 people get together in a jury room and talk about. And I don't have a problem with that conversation happening on social media and people having different opinions. So all in all, if you enjoyed seeing me in the Netflix documentary, yay. If you didn't want to watch it, fine. If you don't even have Netflix because, you know, Stranger Things isn't on, that's fine too. <laughs> that's kind of my thoughts. That's some of the things where I thought there was an opportunity to explain more and there wasn't uh, more explanation. But we need to go look at everything that's happening in this insurance case because truly, I have found the Amber Heard insurance case to be fascinating. But first, we're going to take a moment to thank this episode's sponsor because they have been a sponsor of this channel and allow me to do things like not monetize trial coverage on YouTube if I don't want to. So a huge thank you to Green Chef. Sometimes when you work 10 hours, you don't have time to pick up food and all you need is something fast and delicious at home. That's where Green Chef comes in. Because when you're hungry, you don't have the capacity to make decisions. And Green Chef is a CCOF certified meal kit that delivers everything you need for delicious meals directly to your door. And you can pick from a massive variety of meal choices every single week. And Green Chef has options for every type of lifestyle, from keto to paleo to vegetarian and vegan to extra protein, or to smart choices that are just 700 calories. And Green Chef doesn't have you just covered for dinner. One of my hardest meals during the day is lunch because I am always running behind and I am always very busy. They have tons of options for 10-minute lunches and easy and ready-to-go breakfasts. So no matter what you need for your week, Green Chef has you covered. Are you ready to try it out for yourself and get 50% off? Well. Go to greenchef.com slash emilybaker50 to get 50% off your order plus free shipping. That's code emilybaker50 at greenchef.com to get 50% off plus free shipping. Find out for yourself why Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating well. All right, let's get back to today's episode. So Amber Heard Insurance Company 
quick and brief. This is an overview road so far. Amber Heard had two insurance policies and therefore two insurers that covered any defamation. Travelers and New York Marine. Travelers had a lawyer in the courtroom the entire time. Travelers paid for Elaine Bredehoff, Needlehoff, and his cat. I'm joking about that. I'm sure Travelers Insurance didn't pay for Needlehoff's cat for Rottenborn and the rest of it. New York Marine early on paid for lawyers and then bounced. And I covered all of the um all of the filings regarding New York Marine feeling like their lawyers were being, you know, pushed out of participating in this litigation by the travelers' lawyers. There's a lot of back and forth between those lawyers and the frustration with those lawyers. And ultimately, New York Marine saying, we're not defending this anymore. You don't want, Amber Heard doesn't want to use these lawyers. We're out. Travelers sued New York Marine saying, we're in this together. So we're paying for part of this and you're paying for part of this. New York Marine then sued Amber Heard saying, hey, we don't owe a duty to defend you on this case. We don't have an ongoing duty to you. And they sued for a bunch of declaratory relief, asking the court to declare, I do declare. Whenever you hear declaratory relief, it is just one party asking the court to declare a thing. Do I need to do this or that? So it was, I do declare. So New York Marine asked for declaratory judgments against Amber Heard with regard to their duty to indemnify her, to pay for any judgment, to pay for her um, legal fees, etc. There are quirks when it comes to intentional torts and defamation with malice. So defamation against a public figure is intentional because there's a malice element. It's not like accidental. It's not like you didn't mean to. So there are quirks within the law with regard to these types of insurance policies and whether they cover intentional torts like defamation of a public figure. So two lawsuits, Travelers in New York Marine over who has to pay what, like, hey, you owe me half, and then New York Marine versus Amber Heard going, we don't have to pay for shit. So those cases all got consolidated into one. And when they got consolidated into one, there was a bunch more litigation including Amber Heard then suing New York Marine. So we've got Travelers versus New York Marine, New York Marine versus Travelers, New York Marine versus Amber Heard, and Amber Heard versus New York Marine. Back in March, Amber Heard's counterclaims against New York Marine were thrown out of court. So what recently came up in court that we are going to cover is the New York Marine Amber Heard motion for judgments on the pleading. So they've done motions to dismiss, whittled the case down, and now they are doing motions for judgments on the pleading. I will link down below my playlist where I cover all of these lawsuits together. But everyone is fighting over who pays for Elaine. That's the key takeaway. Does Travelers Insurance foot the bill? Does New York Marine have to split it? Who pays the million-dollar judgment? At this point, it seems like travelers did. Who pays the million-dollar judgment or settlement, I guess is the proper settlement on the judgment? Isn't that funny? <laughs> We're seeing this play out in the Cardi B, Tasha K case, where you go to trial, you get a jury judgment. The jury in this case was like, hey, it's over $8 million that Amber Heard owes Johnny Depp. And then they all 
file their appeals. And then after the appeals get filed, they all, you know, settle and they agree on Johnny Depp pays Amber Heard nothing. I think the jury awarded her $2 million. Johnny Depp doesn't pay her any of the $2 million. She only pays him a million and everybody walks away. So they settled the judgment after dropping the appeals. So who pays what? In the chat, one of the members said, what if any payment does Elaine get? Yes. <laughs> yes. What if any payment does Elaine get is a perfect framing of this question. And some of this is payment that's already been received by the lawyers and Travelers is trying to get New York Marine to like pay half. Like, no, no, come in here and pay half. And they've been fighting over that for years at this point. So what we're going to look at is the motions for judgment on the pleadings. Your Honor, can you resolve this case for us between New York Marine and Amber Heard? So we are now at the end of the world as we know it. We're at the end of the litigation between Amber Heard and New York Marine. The litigation is ongoing-ish with regard to Travelers and New York Marine. But so far, New York Marine has had some pretty big wins in this case. So let's go to this judge's tentative ruling. When I go through documents, you're going to see that the document number or the docket number jumps back and forth because these cases got consolidated. So some of the numbers are out of order, but they're in timeline order. So we're going in timeline order. This is the court's tentative ruling from August 10th, 2023, that became the final ruling on August 14th, 2023. So all in all, considering I don't think I've talked about the insurance cases in any substantive way since like December. This is a, a pretty close in time to when it went down. The court does a really good job summarizing this. So I am going through all five pages of this tentative ruling that has then been adopted as the final ruling in the case. New York Marine and General Insurance versus Heard. Tentative ruling on one, defendant counterclaimant Amber Heard's motion for judgment on the pleadings. Two, plaintiff counterclaim defendant New York Marine's Cross motion for judgment on the pleadings. Your Honor, can we resolve this case on the pleadings like a motion for summary judgment? Sometimes they are just called motion for judgment on the pleadings. The court is deciding matters of law in a final way, unlike a motion to dismiss where there are mostly the opportunity to amend. Sometimes with the motion for judgment on the pleadings, you will also get an opportunity to amend. Sometimes they will be final rulings and they will narrow down the scope of the questions for a jury if it goes to jury. And the court says, two motions for judgment on the pleadings are now before this court in this action. Defendant counterclaimant Amber Heard brought the first and simultaneous with its opposition to Heard's motion. Plaintiff counterclaim defendant New York Marine brought the second. In her motion, Amber Heard contends this action is moot. And then they define this action in a footnote, which I will do in one second. I think I did a pretty good job, but we're going to do it again. Um, Heard contends this action is moot due to, one, the settlement of the underlying action between herself and John C. Depp. The effect of this court's earlier ruling on New York Marine's motion to dismiss in this case when Amber Heard's counterclaims were yeeted. Three, her withdrawal of certain claims and positions. So Amber Heard lost some of her counterclaims and then other contentions she withdrew. 
So she is saying this entire action is moot because there is nothing left to nothing left to resolve for the court. There has to actually be a case in controversy. The court doesn't just solve fights, right? A court of law is not going to be like, hey, so hypothetically, if this happens and that happens, what do we do? Courts resolve actual actions and controversy. There has to be a matter upon which relief can be granted. And if it's just a question like, point of curiosity, arguendo, can you solve a fight for us? Can you just tell us who's right? No, it has to have some meaningful outcome for New York Marine to ask, essentially, can you solve a fight for us? They're asking the court to issue declaratory relief saying, you don't have to pay her judgment to Johnny Depp, or you don't have to pay traveler's insurance back. There's there's a reason that the court's being asked to decide it because there's actually a thing in controversy, that thing in controversy being money that is going to the lawyers here. So the court defines these actions in footnote one as this. The operative complaint in this action is the first amended complaint, the FAC, filed on July 11th, 2022, containing four declaratory relief claims. The first cause seeks declaratory relief regarding New York Marine's duty to indemnify Heard with respect to the judgment rendered against her in the underlying lawsuit with John C. Depp. Uh, I will probably just refer to Johnny Depp as Johnny Depp because it is how he is known professionally and colloquially, and it's easier for my brain. So that first cause of action is Amber Heard asking New York Marine to pledge that they are going to actually pay the judgment in the case. The second cause of action seeks declaratory relief with respect to New York Marines' indemnity obligation, if any, in connection with the underlying matter. Third cause of action seeks declaratory relief with New York Marines' obligation, if any, to defend Amber Heard on an ongoing basis. This would have been through the appeal. The appeal is now over. The fourth cause of action seeks declaratory relief with respect to New York Marines' defense on an ongoing basis and indemnity obligations though centered on grounds different than those covered by the earlier claims for relief. In addition, Heard filed two counterclaims, one for breach of contract, one for tortious breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing. And again, both of those have been dismissed. Back to the court's order, it says, as to questions about New York Marines' defense obligation, Heard argues that this court's March 17th, 2023 ruling on New York Marines' motion to dismiss resolved the issue such that there is no longer an active controversy with respect to any right to a defense claim by Heard. As to questions concerning New York Marines' indemnity obligation, Heard indicates that she has withdrawn that claim. So indemnity means you have to cover me. Like, you owe me. You're, you need to cover. If I'm responsible, you're responsible. So Amber Heard was arguing, if I have to pay Johnny Depp anything, New York Marine has to cover that obligation. Amber Heard withdrew that claim earlier on I would imagine, shortly after she lost her counterclaims on the motion to dismiss. Heard also indicates that she has represented to New York Marine that she will not attempt to amend her counterclaim for breach of the applied implied covenant, as was an open possibility following the court's ruling on the motion to dismiss. So both of her actions got thrown out by the court. One, there was leave to amend. So when there is leave to amend, there is room for Amber Heard to bring 
that back to life, right? No, I'm not going to sing Evanescence, bring me to life. God, I wish I could, but no, I cannot. So she can't bring that back to life um, if it's dismissed with prejudice. Without prejudice, you can have another go at it. So Amber Heard's lawyers are representing that she has already told the insurance company, we're not going to try again. Like, we're done. We're not going to try to revive these claims. The court goes on to say mootness, which can be raised by a Rule 12C motion, not your normal 12B6. We're covering other areas. We're covering other areas of Rule 12. We've done an entire 1L year covering this class, it feels like, or covering this case, it feels like. Mootness, which can be raised on a 12C motion, requires that an actual controversy exist throughout the case, not just when the case is filed, throughout the case. Thus, New York Marines' argument in opposition that at an earlier stage of the case, Heard admitted that there was a controversy between the parties is entirely irrelevant to the question of whether the case is moot now. I know. I wanted to cover this because I really, we don't often get to talk about mootness, but it actually matters like a lot. Like this entire case is getting yeeted because it's moot, which I love, or moo. It is, a, it is moo, like a cow's opinion. I know. I know. It, it had to come up at some point. As it has been pled, this case is clearly moot. The underlying action has settled post-judgment. Thus, there is clearly no question of an ongoing need to defend Amber Heard. The only defense obligation raised by New York Marines action, which is the ongoing duty to defend. Does New York Marine have to pay anything for the appeal and the ongoing case? And the court's like, it's done though. With respect to Heard's pursuit of defense costs, as further noted below, this court's earlier ruling in New York Marine's motion to dismiss Heard's counterclaim fully resolved that question in New York Marine's favor. So this is the court reminding everyone that the court has already addressed that New York Marine does not owe Amber Heard defense costs. Footnote two. This distinguishes the case from St. Peter Fire and Marine Insurance Company versus Wiener. Yes, W-E-I-N-E-R, I think it's pronounced Wiener. I'm going with it. It's fine. And other similar cases relied on by New York Marine where there were still defense costs outstanding and subject to claim from plaintiff insurer. To the extent that the district court decision in Travelers Property Casualty Company of America versus KB Home Coastal Inc. attempts to establish a rule that a case is not moot, where in that case the defendants argued only that the case was partially moot, where it is not implausible that the insured or defendant will at some point in the future resume seeking coverage, or perhaps more likely, where another carrier will pursue the insurer for coverage. This court declines to follow that approach to mootness in the context of coverage litigation. Those possibilities present only abstract questions until such a controversy actually arises and presents itself. So the court is saying, what we're not going to do is speculate that there may be a potential claim down the road when the party is saying that they've withdrawn their request for coverage and they've lost their counterclaims. It goes on to say that Heard indicates she has withdrawn her request or demand that New York Marine indemnify her, cover her, even if there has been no formal voluntary dismissal or other formal withdrawal of her pleadings seeking that end. Her statements to that effect here, 
if the court does indeed dismiss this action as moot, would lead to an application of judicial estoppel against her, at least insofar as this action is concerned, footnote for three. We're learning all of the legal terms together as a group, and I love that for us. Judicial estoppel is the judicial, I guess it's the principle of law, that if you argue something in front of the court, you cannot switch positions on it. Like, you can't, like, flip it and reverse it and be like, yeah, Your Honor, I know we argued that earlier in the case, but, like, we're not going to do that anymore. So they're saying that Amber Heard saying she has withdrawn this in her proceedings, she would be judicially stopped from arguing it before this court in this action again. So the court would look at her and be like, stop it. It's a stopple. So you can't argue later that you're entitled to it when you've argued now that you don't have to. So that is why we're seeing judicial estoppel come up here. Footnote three, the open possibility that Heard might renew her claim for indemnity following an appeal in this action would turn the question of indemnity obligations from the abstract legal question that it is now um, the type of question that the federal courts do not have jurisdiction to address or answer in the context of this litigation into an actual live controversy once again. That possibility does not prevent a mootness-based dismissal here at this time. So the court is going through the case law in this footnote saying, look, there is no controversy now. If you try to argue this down the road or sue again, then you revive the controversy and then we have to have this conversation later. But courts do things, or should, in a very procedural matter. And they're not going to just take up questions that might happen later. There's no question before me now, yeet. And we saw this happen with the defamation case in Idaho with the professor and the TikToker, where the TikToker was saying, well, we need to address this all at once. And the court's like, that's not even procedurally proper. Like, we don't even get there yet. Do not pass go. And that's what's happening here. The court's like, we're addressing what's happening in front of us. We can't look into the future and try to go, well, maybe, possibly. We're just addressing the issue that we have right now. The court goes on to say, as to Heard's counterclaims for breach of contract and tortious breach of the implied covenant of good faith and fair dealing, the court dismissed the breach of contract counterclaim with prejudice on March 17th, resolving, as New York Marine effectively acknowledges, the only defense duty question actually challenged by Heard, meaning that the other defense duty issue raised by New York Marine is not actually contested or subject of a live controversy. So meaning there's no declaratory relief needed on this because Amber Heard lost that claim on the motion to dismiss and it's gone, meaning that New York Marine does not have to defend in this way. It goes on to say that in, in parentheses, Heard, quote, conceding she has no right to reimbursement of any defense costs from New York Marine unless and until this court's dismissal order is reversed on appeal and stating that she, quote, is not presently seeking any defense costs from New York Marine. She is letting go. It goes on to say Heard has since indicated to New York Marine that she will not amend her implied covenant counterclaim, though the court's order on the New York Marine motion to dismiss has left that possibility open to her. As with the question of indemnity above, a subsequent about face on that issue would lead to an application of judicial estoppel. You cannot try to uno reverse this later. You said what you said. You said it in pleadings and you cannot, you know, put your thing down, flip it and reverse it. 
we're sticking with 90s music today. And the court is saying, and because of that, Amber Heard is conceding that she is not entitled to monies from New York Marine. Not entitled for monies on the appeal, not entitled for them to cover her judgment. And we, I said this, at least from the beginning of this case, that with a willful tort, it is going to be hard to get around the fact that she was determined to have willfully defamed Johnny Depp because most insurance agreements aren't going to cover a willful tort. They cover accidents, not intentional behavior. The court goes on to say that if New York Marine believes that it can amend its fact to state proper declaratory relief claims, i.e. claims that are subject of an actual live dispute between itself and heard, not just claims based on legal questions or issues as to which it would like an answer. Your Honor, could you just sort this one thing out for us? No. She's not asking you for money. I'm not determining whether you have to pay it or not. It's over regarding whether or not it had a duty to defend Heard at any time with regards to the underlying action and that such claims would not already be resolved by this court's ruling on New York Marine's earlier motion to dismiss, it's free to attempt to do so. Apart from that possibility, however, the court grants Heard's Rule 12C motion because this action, as currently pled, is moot. It's done. The court's like, you done. You done. Put it down. She is conceding that you don't have a duty to defend her. You don't need the court to declare whether or not you had a duty to defend her. The court, I love how concisely this court writes. The court goes on to say the court's conclusion that this action is moot negates any need for it to consider the second motion set for hearing this day, New York Marine's own motion for judgment on the pleadings. The question New York Marine therein seeks to resolve, making up the bulk of its combined opposition to Heard's motion and opening brief on its own motion, are not part of any live controversy vis-a-vis Heard, the only other party to this action footnote for. If there is any outstanding live issue related to this defense and indemnity obligations between New York Marine and any co-insurer that does not make this action between only New York Marine and Heard into a live controversy, see Budget Renicar Inc. versus Higadashi is not to the contrary, at the very least, because it because in that case, a claim for indemnity was still live, notwithstanding the settlement of the underlying action. If Amber Heard was still seeking to have New York Marine pay for her judgment against Johnny Depp or pay for her appeal, which is now ceased, then there would be a live controversy. But because Amber Heard is not seeking any more money from them, between New York Marine and Amber Heard, there is nothing because New York Marine is not seeking reimbursement from Amber Heard. They were seeking four declaratory actions where they wanted the court to say, see, we don't owe her shit. Can you please just declare that we don't owe her anything and our obligations are done? And this is Amber Heard's not asking for anything. Ergo, your obligations are done. Therefore, this is all moot. So it is a win for New York Marine and that this is done but also a win for Amber Heard because it was her motion that was dismissed, meaning she is now out of all of this, right? Amber Heard is no longer a defendant in this case because it is moot and it is done. I'm going to go to the court's ruling real quick that incorporates that tentative ruling that we just read because I think it makes it clear um, what the court is doing next. Okay. 
This is coming to us from August 14th, 2023, docket number 75, Plaintiff New York Marines motion for judgment on the pleadings, defendant's motion for judgment on the pleadings. The court's tentative ruling on the above entitled motions was issued on August 10th, 2023. Oral argument is held. The tentative ruling is adopted as the court's final ruling. That's what we just read. The above entitled motions are granted with leave to amend. The plaintiff will have two weeks from the date of this order to file an amended complaint. I don't think we will see anything else filed by New York Marine because all they were asking for is declaratory relief and there's nothing left to declare. It says the court and counsel confer regarding scheduling all previously set deadlines and hearing dates in this matter and the related Travelers versus New York Marine matter are taken off calendar. The court sets a scheduling conference for September 25th, 2023. The parties are to file a joint report by September 20th, 2023. So there are still a few matters in controversy in the Travelers versus New York Marine case, but Travelers versus New York Marine is fighting over past monies paid. Did um, New York Marine owe Travelers some money back on what Travelers has paid for Amber Heard's defense? And in those previous rulings, there have been some wins for New York Marine, including New York Marine recently had the law firm for Travelers conflicted off the case and new counsel had to come in um, through a whole bunch of litigation saying, hey, this law firm has lawyers that have previously worked for the law firm representing us. It's a conflict out. And the court's like, yeah, I agree out. So there are some very narrow issues left to be decided between Travelers and New York. And I will keep an eye on those because as the insurance companies fight, there are some really interesting questions for me. I don't know if y'all are still going to be interested. If you're good with putting this one to bed, let me know. We'll run the bumper case closed and we'll be done. You let me know in the comments and on social if you are done with this. Because as to Amber Heard, she is out of this and it's just between the insurance companies but I thought it was very interesting watching the insurance companies fight over, you know, who had to pay what. And, you know, New York Marines saying to travelers, you guys chose to bump up the industry standard rates for this defense team. You chose to set a $6 million limit and then keep going um, and keep paying. You chose not to honor industry insurance rates because the Insurance companies will have standard rates that they pay, like a lawyer covering this gets this much an hour. You, travelers, chose to pay them more. I shouldn't have to pay half of what you chose to pay. You chose to pay them more. I didn't agree to that. Like, I didn't agree to put in on this. So New York Marine agreed to pay half while they were still in the case. But after that, they're like, we're done. We're done. So maybe it's it's room for a quick bit when this resolves between tra between travelers and New York Marine, I think the insurance companies will be able to settle it. If they don't, could we see New York Marine going back after Amber Heard for reimbursement? I don't even know what they would get, and I don't know if it would be worth their time. But they only asked for declaratory relief here. They did not ask for reimbursement, and that is moot. So with regard to New York Marine versus Amber Heard, that case is closed. With regard to Travelers versus New York Marine, there is still some things uh, ongoing. We will see what happens in September. September is going to be busy, 
Remember, there's a lot of litigation happening over in Idaho, and that is going to be very busy between now and October unless time is waived. So if anything else happens that really is is stunning for our purposes, maybe we we will cover it quickly in a live stream. But this kind of puts to bed the New York Marine versus Amber Heard lawsuit that was filed in 2022. So I think for this one, we're at case closed. This one's done. I hope that helped kind of bring you into the loop on everything that's going on with all things, um, you know, Depp v. Heard that has been, I don't know, brought back into uh, into public light with this Netflix documentary. But the interesting litigation that was still going on is what do insurance companies actually have to pay? And what does it look like in a case when insurance companies pay for the attorneys? And at what point the attorneys ran out of money before trial even started with travelers. Travelers had put a cap on the case and these attorneys had spent that cap before trial ever started. So it'll be really interesting to see what continues to happen between travelers and New York Marine and and whether the attorneys will get compensated through all of that or not. So with that, thank you for being here. Thank you for being a law nerd. Thank you for riding with me through the legal stuff. And well, today, some of the not so legal stuff that we just needed to chat about. Thank you for being a law nerd. Y'all are the best and you're the reason that I do this. It's so much fun talking about the law with you. So with that, may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper be plentiful. May the, you know, hurricane not get you down. May you have better travel luck than me. May your family be well and may the odds be ever in your favor. I will talk to you in the next one. Just a reminder also, just a reminder, it is fall. As I say the outro and then sidebar myself, this is the 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 long goodbye today. Just a reminder, it is the fall. My schedule gets a little wild in the fall. If you want to be sure that you do not miss what I am up to and you do not miss our new notification system, you need to go sign up at lawnerdalert.com for our email updates because my schedule will be changing particularly for lives and the podcast in the next couple of weeks. So lawnerdalert.com will keep you all the way in the loop and then you will be some of the first to know about our new notification system. I can't wait. And with that, I really am saying goodbye. Okay, goodbye. You can find more Law Nerd goodness in our private Law Nerd community over at lawnerdsunite.com. And if you want to stay up to date with everything I'm covering, you can follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I recap those streams for those of you a little pressed for time over on the Quick Bits podcast and Quick Bits YouTube channel. Thanks for being a Law Nerd.